Sorry, 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 sorry. Can we, can we try one thing? Can you, okay, so my microphone, you can see is like right in front of my mouth. Where is your microphone? It's right in front of my mouth. It's right here. But I'm that, like, that, that's like, that's not close. Where is yours? See, you can see, you see how you can see it? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's going to help with the audio quality. But you my, my audio is better than yours, I feel like, in all of the recordings. Okay. Maybe I'm louder than you. You watch those fucking, any, any video of a podcast, they're like eating their microphones. They're right there. I know. All right. Why don't you just want to move it? Just fucking move it. No, I know. Okay, sorry. I'm just, just it's, it just doesn't. This it will. You just don't want to admit is, it. No, no, it's not. This is worse. This is fucking significantly worse. Good God. What a horrible mistake this was to listen to you. It's going to sound so good. It's going to sound like fucking cock. So I'm like a tiny little baby cock, and it's gonna be, and I'm, and it's called Parker. All right, this is gonna be the worst sounding one. Fucking goddamn bullshit. No, it's not. That's good audio. That sounded really good. What are you? What are you drinking? What? What? <laughs> what do you think I said? What are you drinking? Are you are you lips? Are you pretending to speak so it sounds like it's bad audio to me? All right. Anyway, let's fucking go, dude. All right. Well, I, uh, don't you want to know what I'm drinking? No, not really. Okay. What let's are you get, drinking? Let's Chivas, good improv, partner. What? <laughs> what are you drinking? A Chivas Royal or whatever the fuck? Chivas Regal. Yeah, Chivas Regals and a Coca Cola. Which right. is actually delicious. I mean, I was really not thinking it'd be tasty because I don't like scotch. And the last time I had scotch and coke, it was like nasty. But I think the ratio is better here. Obviously. Oh, that's just a scotch. Yeah, it's just I a scotch. Not, I didn't realize that. And you notice that um, I'm wearing Wayfair sunglasses right now, which is not on purpose. I literally just uh, left my glasses at home, so I'm wearing these instead. Although they are similar to the ones he wore in the movie. I don't believe that for a single minute. You're telling me you just, you watched Risky Business last night, <laughs> knew that you would be recording a podcast with me about Risky Business, and you were like, and you just are wearing these glasses. And these it's are my prescription sunglasses. You don't have prescription sunglasses. That's why you don't do anything outside ever. <laughs> Want to go outside? No, I can't. Sorry, I wish I could. <laughs> we made it for you. A podcast about Tom Cruise. We made it for you. A podcast about Tom Cruise. We made it for you. A podcast about Tom Cruise. We made it for you. A podcast about Tom Cruise. Wait, fuck. Forgot. I gotta plug I gotta plug my my computer in so it's charging. Just give me five fucking seconds. Fucking bullshit! It's fucking horse shit! Fuck!
fucking thing sucks. Fuck it. We'll do it live. Fuck it. Fucking thing sucks. Hello. You look so proud. You're like, oh, I did it. I did a the Bill O'Reilly joke. <laughs> anyway, we're not here to talk about any of that stuff. We're here to talk about risky business, the real star-making role in Tom Cruise's career. The, oh you yeah. Know, I mean, the rest were obviously you know lead-ups, and it was good. And he's working with he's working with Coppola, and he's and he's and he's getting getting some fun stuff in. But this is the one he has arrived. Yeah, where the boy has arrived. And I'll tell you what, dude, just an absolute fucking beautiful masterpiece of a oh, movie. Oh, boy. I was, there's moments in here where I'm like, yep, that's that like the exact shot where I'm like, there he is. That's A Star is Born. I watched this last night and I had never seen it before. Yeah, me neither. Uh, um, I don't know why. Like, I've never seen it. I get it's just one of those things like some of these early ones, like pretty much everything before... What's the first? I guess probably every. I mean, other than Outsiders, everything before Top Gun, basically, I don't think I've ever seen. Yeah. Right. And I don't know. I mean, I always knew this was fucking great, and I knew and I knew its reputation as like it's a better, more interesting movie than the obvious. Just you know, him sliding in and singing, you know, in his in his underwear and shit. I knew all that, but but I still was just like blown away, and I was just having a fucking great time. I. I'm here. I mean, here we are drinking some beer. But last night I was drinking some beer, and I was just truly having a fucking blast watching the movie. I was, I was like standing up in the living room and just like clapping, (laughs) clapping alone, basically with enjoyment. Yeah, I I, I found myself wishing that I had seen this when I was much younger. I think like if I had seen this in high school, it probably would have uh, affected me, you know, in a certain way, and I probably would have like, I mean. Well, one of my favorite movies that I saw in high school that I snuck into was The Girl Next Door, which is basically a remake of this in, in almost in almost every single way, other than just like it's it's sort of like beat for beat the same movie, but the the dressing is base, is just a little different, you know? Yeah. Did you ever see that movie? Did you like that movie? I did not see it, no. Oh man. Is it Paul great, Dano in it? Yeah, Paul Dano's in it. He plays a kid who's got Daniel a real Hirsch? big real big dick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At the end, you find out that Paul Dano has a real big dick because they use his dick in that, the like. That, that's that's a joke from Porky's, I think, right? Oh, is it? I've never seen Porky's. Yeah, I haven't either. But I know the joke. Like one of them has it. It's funny because one has a big dick, which is so not- funny, dude. Not funny at all, dude. That's something <laughs> serious, and you should take that seriously. <laughs> I, I was impressed, or uh, I think it's interesting. Paul Brickman only directs one more film after this. I don't know. Yeah, what's the what's the movie again? Uh, Men Don't Leave, which is not a great title, but... Never seen it, never heard of it. This is his first film, and it's like has tons of moments where you're like, wow, great directing, incredible. Totally. So, yeah, and that was it. This, this and Men Don't Leave. He's a, great, he's a great director and a great writer. Like, I think everything's really... I mean, I loved it. But yeah, it's crazy. So wait, so but he, he doesn't have any other credits he, did, uh, he wrote a, a film called deal of the century in 83 men don't leave he wrote and then true crime 99 he wrote and i i haven't heard of true crime Holy shit. boy true crime the clint movie yeah he wrote that oh that rocks that movie actually does rock i do love that movie wild movie it's got james woods and it's got dennis leary but james woods is so fucking funny in that movie in 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 true crime 
and he's basically just saying a bunch of lines of dialogue that the James Woods that we know now, like, probably just believes wholeheartedly. It's really, <laughs> really, ter- really terrific stuff. But, um, yeah, that's such a shame. I mean, he's a super talented guy and kind of just fell to the fell out of it. I, I don't know what the fuck happened. There's some moments where I think it's kind of aged, but for the most part... There's a little bit of datedness to it, but not in a bad way, in my opinion, really. I mean... I mean, the one moment that's like goofy, that feels like a dream, but also I fucking love it still is like when she just first comes into the house, you know, and, and the like doors open and. The- oh, let's talk about that. So, yeah, to start the film off, there's Tom recounting a dream he has of a sexual encounter with a babysitter. And it's incredible. It's like yeah. super dreamlike. There's a part where he's like he walks into the bathroom and she's taking a shower and they're trying to walk towards her and they've built this set where the shower is moving down away from him and like the walls are like yeah, moving towards yeah. him. So it's like he could never reach her. Well, I, it's funny because at first I think at first I think they just do the vertigo shot and then and then I think they do what you're talking about the set where it's like yeah, the, the moving, actual yes the shower it's is actually away. physically moving yeah yeah like infinite hallway kind of thing. Yeah. So we have this kind of this dream sequence of a sex scene. Of him trying to reach his lady and he can't reach her and so he said instead goes back to school and they play for a test and that's like well no no he opens the shower door and as he goes through the steam from the shower all of a sudden he's just in a call in a classroom where he was supposed to be taking it's a college exam right and he has college boards yeah he only has like a couple minutes left to take the test and he starts answering all the questions and i don't actually remember how the fucking dream ends but but um well that's like but, basically it that's he basically like, it. But, but I mean, it's a perfect little setup for like, okay, these are the two yeah. things on his mind, college and girls. Like and it's he's, the, he's, ta- he's, tell- he's telling the story to his buddies around a poker table. This, this made me think of you because they're all sitting playing poker and they're all smoking cigars. Yeah, and it's really nasty because awesome. like the one oh, they're like chewing Bronson on them. They're shows, like, on it's him. like so soggy and wet. It made me want to throw up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that is that how you say his last name? Pin- Pincho or Pin? Pincho. I assume Pincho. No, I guess so. No, yes. I know. I you know, know why? Because but, I watched um, Celebrity, uh, The Surreal Life, and he was on The Surreal Life. Dude, I love him. First of all, I mean, I know we'll get to that. I mean, he has a fine part in this. I mean, he's pretty funny, but like. What do you, what do you love him from? I know him. I know him mostly. He's in, um, I think, both or all three. Beverly uh, Hills Cops. Beverly Hills Cop movies. And, you know, he's the guy that um, Axel Foley goes, get the fuck out of here. And he, and he goes, no, I cannot. He's like kind of like a gay French fashion designer guy or something like that I yeah think. it's a good comedic good comedic performance so when i saw him in this i was like hell yeah love that guy and the uh revenge of the nerds guy i, I always liked uh what's his name curtis armstrong i think oh yeah he has some inter- a really interesting story that he tells about uh about tom on set which i think is like the first bit of insight to tom as a person yeah Basically, he was keeping a uh, Curtis Armstrong was keeping a journal while they were shooting, and he said Tom's interesting character can't really make him out. He would appear to be on the brink of a great career, but when it comes to do him doing things with him socially or professionally, he's not terribly reliable. Always late, very casual with other people's time. But in spite of it all, it's difficult not to like him. Though it's early days, the rehearsing I've done with him has gone smoothly. No arrogance or selfishness there. Yet we'll see. Wow, that's fascinating. It's weirdly feels like the opposite or something of what it should be, right? Like that he would never be late and and like kind of disorganized. Like it seems like he's the kind of guy who is on time and completely organized. Where whereas you might think in his young years, I mean, even though everything we know about Tom Cruise professionally, everyone seems 
to think, you know, he's the nicest guy. He's great to work with. Yeah, 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 that's all true. But you might think in his younger years, he could have been a little bit cocksure and a little bit of an asshole. But yeah. it seems like that's not really the case. I wonder it's if the director ever like whipped him into shape on that. Like I bet, I bet showed up late on set to Ridley Scott or Tony Scott's sets. Maybe. I mean, they're bo- Ridley for sure is a fucking hard. I mean, Tony too, but Ridley's really such a straight shooter kind of hard ass. Yeah. But, but um, I can't maybe. stand people who are tardy. I just, I, if you're not punctual, it drives me fucking nuts. Like, are you say I'm pretty on time for the I'm most part. I'm not saying you're not. I just like I think if you're my friend and you're hearing this and you're the kind of guy who's late to things, I actually hate you. Yeah, that's good. Who specifically? I just no, but nobody. I can't think of anybody right now, honestly. Well, Who's, yeah. Who are your friends, really? I guess. Right. Right. You got me. You have me. You have. Huh. I just huh. can't think of. Huh. No. Um. Um. Yeah, that's a good tidbit. Curtis Armstrong writes about in that in that same memoir, like him and Tom Cruise and Rebecca De Mornay have. He writes about their their affair, right? Which is pretty crazy little bit of bit of business. Is that it's also just bizarre to think she was dating Harry Dean Stanton, right? Like they were together, which is so they weird. Met on the set of One from the Heart. One yeah. from the Heart, and it's crazy because. Harry Dean Stanton, I mean, I obviously saw him when he was in movies. I've seen one from the heart. I've seen him in things when he's younger and stuff. He just seems infinitely old, like he was always old. Yeah, he was old can stay one. Like like he's old in fucking uh, Paris, Texas, you know, which is... Oh, he's a thousand years old in Paris, Texas. Yeah, and he's cr- fucking banging uh, Klaus Kinski's daughter. Yeah, Natasha Kinski, yeah, yeah, I know. Who also in one from the heart, right? Um, he, I mean, he's, dude, he's just like a true blue artist, like cool guy, like just yeah. like liver of life kind of dude who I just feel like is the coolest. And actors are always having sex with each other, you know? That's true. That's why I've, I'm pivoting into becoming an actor. Once the SAG strikes over and I get all the benefits, I'm going to fuck like a mad king. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what if that happens? Like from this podcast, people are like, wow, we need a, like a, a sad, pathetic podcast character. And they choose you. <laughs> After Act of God, I did get uh, people messaging me on Instagram asking me to audition for their movies. And I was like, oh, no, I'm actually not in the movie. There's a guy who looks like me who's basically playing me, and you want him. Oh, did you pass his info along, though? That's yeah, kind of cool. Yeah. Did he get good work from it? Uh, Yeah, sure. Okay, I don't know. It's cool. I don't know. It's kind of cool. I thought you were going to say that after um, Ramblin' Freak, you got... I got people saying fucking dick at Ramblin' Freak. I didn't, dick. I, I, I didn't get that movie did not uh No, I'll cut that. Um It did well. It did uh, it did beyond my wildest dreams, but like it, it got you it got you to a lot of places that you are now. I mean in a lot of your it, 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 it like got the ball rolling, but it, it didn't I was working in Takadilly before and after. I so. know, I know. Um No, but anyway, so back to Rebecca de Mornay and uh, but anyway I just think it's such a funny thing, like, to be dating Harry Dean Stanton and then work on this movie. Like, it's just different, such different flavors. Harry, from Harry Dean Stanton to then, like, I'm going to fuck Tom Cruise on the set of this movie. And then they dated, they dated for a while. I just burped, I apologize. Um, I keep wondering where these gay rumors came from. I know, I don't know either. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, like, uh, when the scenes when he's kissing her, I'm like, yeah, this dude... Pounds plus. Yeah, this guy. Okay. Yeah, this guy <laughs> fucks. Um, 
Sky pounds puss. Well, that was a funny bit. I mean, I know we're really jumping ahead and jumping around. We'll go back. But, um, I know we'll go back. It's fine. Um, yeah, I, I guess. I, I mean, I agree with you. I don't know. I mean, I guess as we when those start to come up in the timeline of his life, yeah. we'll 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 get into that. I suppose. I've been accused of being gay a lot in my life, and I don't know where it comes from either. Who have you been accused by? You. Yeah. No. Well, we accuse each other, and then you, we kiss my him. dad. Oh my. <laughs> Basically, though, just the men in my life. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it really starts... I think the gay rumors start around Nicole Kidman. That's... Which is insane. Like... Yeah, 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 I know. I think people get jealous. They're mad. Nicole Kidman, like... Have you seen her in Batman, whatever, the third Batman? Oh, Almost Batman Forever, absolutely. Incredible. I think people thought that they were both gay. I think that's what the information was, is that people thought that they were both gay and their marriage was a sham. I think that's kind of where where it begins. But well, So we'll get into that down the line. But um, yeah, I agree. I think he fucks good and he looks like he... And, and that's a hilarious part of this movie, I do think, is I guess we're to believe, right, that he's losing his virginity the first time he fucks. Yes. Okay, let's back up a little bit. Yes. So he goes... After the poker night, he goes home. Yeah. And then basically his, his parents are leaving for an extended vacation. About a week? Seems like a week, maybe? I, the timeline was throwing me off. I was like, it seems like they're coming home in like two days, but then it was like a Honestly, ton of time. I, I couldn't went, keep straight like when they're coming back. It was making me anxious the whole time. I'm like, does he yeah, have the date wrong? Like, Well, because it wasn't like, I feel like they said Saturday one day and then they said yes. Sunday another did, I day. I think they did actually. And I was like part of the text of the movie. But it's basically they're going out of town. They have all this. They have a very nice house. The dad is like the most dad shit of all time. He's like, do you hear something, son? It's, that's too much bass because like, oh, Tom yeah, yeah. has the bass on this equalizer turned up. And I've never actually seen a physical equalizer. I've only seen like the music, like the ones in your Spotify app. But yeah. it's like an actual big box with like, you know, dials all across. Oh, you never have? I don't know. No. Have you? Interesting. Yeah, I think so. I guess you, like, you come from money. Maybe, so. maybe, <laughs> no, I don't. Not in person, maybe, but like on film, on like. A movie or TV show, yeah. Or but like they've got this big crystal egg thing that's very important to the mom, and you just know it's like a Chekhov's egg is gonna get fucking smashed at some point in the movie. Sure, sure, sure. Of course, of course. Um, although, I, although I will say, I kind of, I will say, like they did a good, like it gets stolen first, right? Well, so fuck, I thought, motherfucker, oh, wait. All right, well, fuck you. Dude, are literally. A piece of shit. Well, when we talk about one thing, it makes me want to talk. It makes me want to talk about another thing. So it's like it's called ADHD. No, it's that they're all. It's all connected. It's a. Uh, it's just all there. I mean, I, so it makes me want to jump on you know what's what important part of it about the egg. It's like in uh, Always Sunny when uh, Charlie's telling a story, but he's just recounting a plot of Law and Order. <laughs> She's like, Yeah. Yes. Exactly. That's what that's we're doing. What, but you, you no, keep you saying you are doing that. I, I am not doing. You that. will keep saying I want a structure, and then I'm trying to give you structure, and you're like, I want research, and then you don't do any research. You no, were at Barbie. we did lots. This morning, you were at Barbie. You were walking around taking pictures well, of all the posters, had, not doing any research. <laughs> well, I would have had a lot more time if I fucking showed up to the right goddamn movie. Theater. Yeah, what happened today? I fucked up because I got all these different fucking. Okay, I got, okay, so I'm going to see Oppenheimer tomorrow at the Chinese, or the TCL Chinese Groman Theater, whatever, right? Because that's the one that I could get a ticket for, for the IMAX, seven, the true, you know, IMAX 70 millimeter. 
And then I bought a Barbie ticket for this morning at 10 a.m. And then later on in the week, I bought a Oppen another Oppenheimer ticket to see it on just regular 70 millimeter at wow. the at the Burbank AMC because they're playing it there. And I've heard tell from people that the 70 millimeter even maybe looks better than the IMAX 70 millimeter. Damn. Um, so I thought that was, so I was like, oh, I want to see. And I was honestly going to do that anyway. Like I remember with Interstellar, I think with Interstellar, I did IMAX 70 millimeter, regular 70 millimeter and 35 millimeter. When did you do those? Well, I, you and I saw the 70 millimeter. You and, and I saw I, it on DCP. No, no, that, we did not. The bullet does not have film. Back then it did, motherfucker. Did it really? Yes. Yes. I remember correctly. Why don't, did they get rid of it? Because it's it's upkeep. It's hard to upkeep. And if they if they if that's on, if that's only you know, I don't know. I don't know why they did it. But my grandparents lived in Dallas at the time. I mean they were both still alive. And me and my mom and my sister went to go see Interstellar at a theater and they were playing it on thirty five. And so I took them to see that. And that was, you know, it was just cool to see it in all those those formats. But um, anyway, that's fucking beside the point. God damn it. That's um, a lot of money to be spending on a movie when you're on a fixed income. Well, uh, AMC is basically free. You have stubs, right? I got the AMC A-list stubs, right? Um, but so anyway, no. So I so I bought the ticket for Oppenheimer for 70 millimeter later in the week and that one's at the AMC Burbank. The Barbie one, I bought at a different AMC here in Los Angeles. And so in my mind, I just kind of got confused and I mixed up the two and I didn't really double check. And um, so I woke up this morning. I went to this place in Burbank and got this delicious breakfast burrito, this great this great um, place called the Cottage Corner in Burbank that I only went to because it's in the background of a shot in Every Which Way But Loose, the Clint Eastwood movie. Or, well, it's not – he didn't direct it. He just is in it. But – but um. But apparently it's like a classic, it's a classic joint it's because it's been there obviously since the fucking 70s and, and before. I think it's like from the 50s. But um, anyway, the burrito was fucking delicious. I was like having a great morning. I was like, yes, I'm going to Barbie. I get there. They scan my thing and they're like, uh, oh, yeah, you're bought the ticket for the other. It's, it's the other theater. And I was like, fuck. And for a brief second, I thought I could maybe get over there in time like before the trailers in because there's like you know 25 minutes of trailers basically but i was like i don't want to cut it too close i don't want to miss anything although having already seen the trailer for barbie with the with the um 2001 the trailer. oh that's oh actually. well there's the 2001 space odyssey thing and that's just how the movie opens so like i probably could i probably could have missed that and been okay i suppose but still would have driven me nuts my brain would have been like what did i miss yeah i was honestly I when i saw that trailer for the 2001 version of barbie i was like that's gotta be like there's no way it's in the fucking movie it, no it's yes yeah, the opening scene i kind of thought i maybe thought the same thing because i was like but that's a lot of that's a big thing to shoot for just a promo. But I guess it's a big giant fucking. You got movie everyone hyped, you know. Yeah, yeah. But um, anyway, whatever. They were like, "Oh, go get another ticket." And I said, "Hey," and he said, "Oh, we have a showing at ten forty-five." And I was like, "All right, cool. I'll wait till ten forty-five." And then I, I, I'm just start walking around the theater and I'm doing my little bit where I'm taking pictures in front of shit and goofing around and stuff. But um, we should probably cut all this. This is not worth. No, this it, but is I'm all just, to say that you did dick for research. We got good stuff. What were we talking about? Oh, that all is to say, I'm trying to give this some fucking structure. So, yes, the parents are leaving. 
Tom Cruise is in this high school and he's like horrible story. Try yeah, a lot of your stories are fucking terrible. He's trying to he's he's in this like inter, young enterprisers club where they have this yeah. business project. They're trying to like be young industrialists, young capitalists, kind of like it's the eighties. It's the kind of the Reaganomics credit card era. Um, okay, I just want to say something. If we're gonna reference Reagan and shit, nineteen eighty, he was. Looked at 1980. Okay, okay. I just wanted to have that. 1980, 1988, and then Bush Sr. was 88 to 92, and then Clinton was 92 to 2000. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, And then okay, George okay. Bush, all right. All right, all right, 2000 to right, okay. 2008. All right, all right, all right, motherfucker. And then Barack right. Obama. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Wait, 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 wait. I just wait, wanted wait, to make wait, sure. Wait, wait, wait. I'm going to fact check you on when Reagan was president. No, but. no, that's not what I was doing. I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't like, I, didn't, I just didn't know exactly what fucking year he was elected. That's all. I didn't know if it was... I'm a history buff. When did I ever say that to you? All, all the time. Okay, well, I am, so... <laughs> <laughs> I just turned that against me somehow. Like, how did you, how did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Master manipulator. Um, oh, so one, one of his friends, after his poker night, one of his friends gives him a key piece of information, which is sometimes you just got to say... What the fuck, Miles? That's Miles. That's the that's the that's yeah. the Curtis Armstrong dude. Yeah, who is such a hilarious. I mean, he's such a goofy looking guy. I mean, I love that actor he's and like he's all the stuff he's in. But yeah, he he's kind of like Harry Dean Stanton. Harry Dean Stanton just looked like an old man. His like a gruffled old man kind of his entire yeah. life. And and I feel like that's part of the joke in Revenge of the Nerds. Like he's like he's like older looking than the other nerds or something. I don't, I don't really remember, yeah. but, but yeah, he's, he's very funny. Yeah. He looks like an old fucker. But yeah, basically that piece of advice, like, you know, plays with the whole film. And I remember my mom told me that when I was like a kid, she was like, sometimes yeah. you gotta say what the fuck. And you know, like, I lock onto that. And I was like, yeah, all right. What are some instances where you've said what the fuck in your life? Uh, that time when I was conned by a billionaire con man. Oh yeah. Okay. So that was a big one. Yeah. We'll just, I think we should just leave that. Yeah. And give no more explanation. <laughs> yeah. For the uh, listeners. For Tom. For Tom. Listening. Yeah. If well, Tom, Tom, Tom wants to know, I'll tell him. Well, yeah, if he wants to know. And honestly, he might be thinking, okay, so this guy's conable. I could get him. I'll get him. So basically, Tom takes his first night in the house alone. He takes full advantage by basically doing the famous scene where he dances to Bob Seeger in his underwear. Yep. Which is funny because like that's the image everyone knows from the movie, but it's like way early on and it's pretty inconsequential. Oh yeah, it's a tiny little part. And I mean it's a great scene. It's fun. It's I was very, having yeah. fun. I was having fun. But it is so like it's not like connected to anything broader yeah. in the movie. I would have assumed like a, it was a much more important scene. Other than just being right. like fun to watch. Right. Because he's right. like dancing around in his fucking tiny hey, whities. We will you take that again? I like, just don't want you to yawn during the podcast. That doesn't really What did I say? You said, okay, well, we'll just use that. I'll just equalize and make it sound like me. <laughs> I forgot what I said. I don't I would have assumed it was a much more important scene, but then I, you I, I would have assumed it was a much more important scene. There you go. There you go. Um, at one point, his buddy comes over and uses his house to have sex with his girlfriend. And it's clear like Tom has friends who are getting laid, but Tom's not getting laid at all. Well, that one buddy is like the guy that just fucks everyone or something, apparently. Like, he right. just const constantly fucking. So, Miles calls. They're in a, looking in the classifieds. He sees a, ads for uh, prostitutes, and he calls. Ads for tons of shit. Ads for, like, 
BDSM, like sex dungeon shit. And so Miles calls one of them and leaves a message. He's like, goes, hey, I'm Joel. Here's my address. And it hangs up. And obviously this is the 80s. I guess like, you know, voicemails were like sacred back then. But I, personally, I wouldn't have even like opened it. I would have assumed it was a prank if I was a prostitute. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. But sure enough, Joel's sitting there doing his homework or something. And he gets a knock at the door, and it is the lady that they call Jackie. And uh, lo and behold, the door opens, and it's a black trans prostitute. Um, which, what's funny about the scene, it's played for just a, vi- it's a sight gag, right? Which I think there's something problematic about that that maybe hasn't aged super well. But I would also say, at the very same time, the movie handles it all very deftly and sensitively in a way that I was surprised by. Like, you see other movies from back in the day or, you know, around this time period. And if there's, I mean, obviously there's not a lot of trans characters in just movies from the era, but when there are, it's absolutely played for like pure laughs, pure, like, look at this freak kind of like shit, basically. Yeah. This, I will say, which, I mean, this is true of the whole movie, I think. I was like pleasantly surprised by the sensitivity around it. Tom Cruise refers to her as she and her, like in all in every moment in the in in the sequence. Like even when he calls Miles, he says like, "Yes, she's here." Obviously, yes. There's the initial sight gag of like, it's not the because there's probably there'd probably been promotion about the movie. They knew this beautiful, dainty young Rebecca De Mornay girl yeah. is gonna be in the movie. So like that sight gag, you know, was probably you know a surprise to people. Although you know, obviously trailers, whatever people knew about the movie was different, but. Anyway, my point being, they have like a, you know, conversation. He invites her in. She's understanding. She's like, hey, look, I get it. I'm not your thing. No worries. Just pay me some money for my time and like inconveniencing me and I'll be on my way. And also here's somebody else. And there's that she gets kind of the last laugh in the moment where she's like, the one that you want, it's what all the little white boys in this area want. White like she boys says that, off the lake. White boys, boys off, the, off lake. the lake, which is a great little moment. And I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just remember I just was like, oh, wow, this is really handled you know, for the most part, for this time period, quite well, I would say. Apparently, White Boys Off the Lake was the original title of the film, but the studio was like, that's a fucking terrible title. Uh, you're going to change <sighs> it. And that is, that is a bad title. I, would I don't know. I mean, it, it, it is sort of, but at the same time, it's kind of a dope fucking title. In Frisky Business, the title comes from a yeah. um, Talking Head song, which plays in the movie. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. That's yeah. funny. But funny is Paul Brickman's second film he directed was called Men Don't Leave, which I think is a similar kind of title. Like, it's like, that's a title for a play, dude. It's like not a title for a fucking movie. I guess you're right. I mean, you're. I mean, yeah, I agree with you. I think you're right. Men Don't Leave. But White Boys Off the Lake is kind of sick. I, I do kind of think it's cool. I mean, it might. It definitely wouldn't have been the movie that it was probably. I bet that title. Risky Business. I agree. I'm with you, brother. Risky I'm with you. Business. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I mean, even like this, um, the way they style the f- title on the poster, it's like just sexy and you know what it's about. This is a much better title. That whole scene got me thinking about like uh, plot and like the mechanics of plot and like basically what kicks off the movie and what gets the ball rolling. And it is like an external factor comes in, calls a prostitute, like the rest is rolling. And I think about that a lot. Like, It's funny that you bring this up because... I'm, I don't, I'm not going to jump ahead, but there's other parts in this that I was thinking, oh man, this is such a great script because of the causality of the plot. Like it is, there is so many great little, like, there's a lot of great little, like this happened. Therefore. 
therefore this happens or because of that it's like yes i just so it's it helps to sell everything for you to have yeah. like this thing that you go okay well now that makes sense why they would go down this path and right? it is it's interesting because i think sometimes tom is playing or joel he's a pretty re reactive character and i think the rebecca de mornay character is more proactive absolutely she's more the one like pushing things and making things happen and she's probably like you know the brains of the two but he, he has his moments obviously yeah, 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 no. I mean, yeah, I mean... But she's I, more interesting, I think, than he is. Kind of. I think, and I think that the movie... She's also way hotter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, she is unbelievably gorgeous. Smoke show. It's crazy. I was like, good Lord. And it's a real shame. I mean, I was looking up some stuff about her. You know, I mean, this is kind of an age-old story with women in Hollywood. She just didn't, like, get the career. And especially when you weigh it against Tom Cruise. Like, she just didn't get the career that I feel like she deserved. And she seems like a really genuinely good actress. And she was... She was in interesting stuff and she did like a, a remake of And God Created Woman after this, I think, which so she like played the Bridget Bardot character and just she did. She just seemed interesting and cool. And like her you know, personal life, she like started making music when she was 13 and like traveled the world, like making music and writing songs and shit in Berlin and like just all over Europe, just living a fucking cool life. And well, she I just seems a part of that know, has to do with the period that they were in and like you know, playing a prostitute isn't like, that might be the death knell for a lot of careers. Like, like the actresses that they had auditioned, um, Sharon Stone auditioned for Lena. Sure. Uh, uh, I mean, Sharon Stone all time, babe. Kim Basinger turned it down, didn't like the script. Interesting. They, they tried to get Brooke Shields, but she was too busy going to Princeton. Oh, that's so funny. Huh, interesting. Yeah. Also the co-star in um, Outsiders, what was her name? Diane Lane? Diane Lane. He, Tom tried to get her to be in it. What was her name? I'm not good with names. Diane Lane. God, fucking. You got to keep that in, dude. We got to let everybody know. Oh, also Diane Lane. is co-star from Outsiders. <laughs> he tried to get her in there. Yeah, that's funny. Um, I think she's really perfect for it. I think she has a great, like, mystique to her that maybe so. I mean, honestly, Sharon Stone is, like, more of, like, a... I don't know how much later it is than this, but, like, one of the earlier roles that I know her in is Total Recall. And she's more of like a femme fatale, which like, I don't think Re Rebecca de Mornay is necessarily like femme fatale in this. She's, she gets over some shit on him, right? And it seems like... Yeah, you never can't trust her. You can't totally peg her down. No, 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 we don't want no talks about pegging. I don't want to bring up pegging, dude. Like, let's not bring that you up. You just ever. brought it up. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, you can't fully pin her down, but, but like... Have you ever been pegged? No, never have I been pegged, dude. Give me a fuck. Never have I ever. I've never have. Okay. Have you? Swear in a Bible. Swear in this Quran. You've never been pegged. <laughs> All right. Let me put my hand on it. No, that's from uh, uh, at the end of a separation. Swear in this Quran. You've never been pegged. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was I trying to say, dude? Oh, I just think she has a sweetness and like a realness to her that in the movie that really works beautifully while still having like the mystique and a little bit of like can you trust her but like you do trust her i think kind of weirdly implicitly i do trust her the entire movie even when she is being kind of untrustworthy they're just like she seems like wholly good but it's like she's only okay because here's the thing so the you're obsessed with getting the plot out. When we could, we could follow great nice threads. Why? Oh, why wouldn't you trust her? Because of a thing she did. Can I explain the thing she did? Yeah, of course. 
<laughs> so Tom calls Lena and he's he's sitting down chilling and then she walks in like opens the door by herself lets herself in yeah that part was funny lets herself in and it's incredible are you ready for me which I mean dude I would have like if I was 15 watching this movie I would have fucking died I think he's supposed to play 17 I think he's playing 17 yeah oh if are, you were 15 watching the yeah, movie are you ready for me like I would have fucking yeah. just exploded um you think any child has ever com- like uh, combusted from busting <laughs> The look you just gave me of like, how do I respond to such a stupid question? I want to explain their first sexual encounter, but it's fucking, but it makes you like want to blush. Uh, she's not wearing any underwear and he like, fucking she's wearing like a purple dress and and, and the, the door fucking blows open. Blows and- open, leaves blow in. He's going down. He starts eating her ass, dude. And you see, you see hole and he sticks his tongue in. It's crazy, dude. One All of the craziest right. scenes I've ever seen in a... Movie from 1983. Let's retake that. It's interesting that that first sex scene they have like feels very dreamlike. I was expecting the real life woman to be the woman from the dream. And I felt like if they had gone that route, it probably would have explained more why he's so willing to like go along with all these things that she puts him up to. But that would have been so like, that would have been like gotten into some weird spiritual thing where it's like he's in his dreams seeing the woman that gets gets into weird territory. I feel like where it's like, why would he have? Why would he be able to, to dream about a woman that he's never seen? Yeah, but the so next morning she's like, yeah, it's three hundred bucks. Is she still there? Which I did the math for inflation. That's like over nine, almost nine hundred bucks today, which is an insane amount of money. I, 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 I think for a prostitute. I don't think that's a lot. I don't think that's very much. Did you do some market research on that? I did some market research and she stayed overnight and had sex with him and and this was sex in like multiple rooms. I'm like, multiple no way, rooms, no multiple way. pieces of furniture. Well, that was a funny On the part. Stairs? You, that was a, I, I did think about you because in endless love, I, I thought about you because I, I just always think about you. But um, no, I thought you see Tom fucking on the stairs. You think of me? I go, oh, Parker. Hmm, interesting. Um, no, no. I thought about you because in, in the Endless Love podcast, you were you were a stickler about like, oh, I wanted to see some some like juvenile fucking that was like they didn't know what they're doing, yada, 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 whatever. Which I, I didn't want to see that. I wasn't like Jones if a juvenile. <laughs> I want to clarify. It sounds worse in hindsight. <laughs> no, but you 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 were like, oh, they fuck good or whatever. Although I don't think they fuck that good. I don't know. They fuck a lot better in this movie. But um, yeah, they fuck good in this movie. It's okay because Tom's 20 years old in this act. In reality, he's 20. And she's 24, 23, yeah, yeah, 24, yeah, or whatever, yeah. when they were shooting this movie. And um, But anyway, I, I thought, oh, Parker's going to kind of push up against this because it's like... I mean, a 17-year-old virgin with Rebecca DeMornay, like, he would have come before we even, like... Well, but maybe we just didn't see him. He probably... If they're fucking in different rooms, maybe he did blast. He, he busted quick. And then they win again, and 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 so then they go on in that room, they go in that room, and maybe he's busting and busting and busting over and over again, and he's filling her up. She's filled to the brim with his hot white cum. <laughs> you want to leave that in? I don't know why, because like my family listens to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so Tom doesn't have three hundred bucks, right? So he goes to the bank. To get a bond, right? To like to cash in his bond, yeah, which is like is from his grandparents. Yeah, which that was really funny. Yeah, yeah. it's like we we love you. I hope you have a great life. And then it's like gotta use this five hundred dollar bond to 
And he, but he gets home and he finds that actually she did wait for him. She took the egg. Yeah, she took the, the egg. beautiful glass egg. So Tom and his buddy Bronson Pincho get in their Porsche 928, which is like his dad's car. He's not allowed to drive it. Well, first, I do need to get another beer. So can we take a little break? But wait, wait, let's just say, wait, let's just wait, wait, before we take our little beer break and then uh, probably not a commercial break, but it'd be sick if we could get some ads. If anybody wants to, if any uh, businesses want to do ads in a podcast where we talk about Tom Cruise as a, as a 20 year old filling up Rebecca de Mornay with his white hot cum over and over and over again, we're the podcast for you to, if you want to. You Adam know, and Eve, your, perhaps? Market your, Adam and Eve, what's that male, um, What's that male, um, the, uh, MailChimp. No, 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 no. The, uh, thing that you shave your dick and balls with. Oh, what's that called? Like, um, it's called like, oh, what am I talking about? It's literally fucking called manscaping. And it's like, they have a, they got a whole thing. They got a whole thing with like different shavers, different trimmers. What do you use to shave your balls and dick? I just got a regular old thing. It's janky. It cuts me up. It's, it's breaking. It's rusted. You have one for your top of your head, one for your face, one for your dick and balls? Face and head, same thing. And then dick and balls are another trimmer. Interesting, interesting. But I don't really do it that often. I'm not really... I give it a one a one or a three all around on my... Do you? You go that low? Yeah. I just goes, so have... It just goes back. Fuck. So like to, to any... But to anybody who's looking, essentially you have a child's dick. <laughs> Wait a second. Uh, well, uh, that's, you said a lot of mean things to me in my life. That's one of the worst ones. <laughs> no, this is like a, it's got a five o'clock shadow on it. It's like. All right. It's like a preteen. Dude, what kind of preteens do you know? It's fine. I'm sure it looks great. I'm sure it looks very adult. It looks tired. <laughs> yeah just world weary like yeah. a real world weary penis um hey brother you decided to do a podcast with me you reap you reap the benefits benefits <laughs> or or not whatever you know what i'm saying but anyway wait, okay let me let's just get to this point and then we'll go and get our beers but so the point is they go to a hotel and they're i mean you know they don't know for sure if she's gonna be there the jackie girl just said hey she works at this hotel sometimes or she goes to this hotel sometimes and so they show up there they're sitting at dinner and then you know tc's like oh there she is right there and they like give a look to each other i think she sees him there and she but and then she's whatever. with a man she's with a man right but then tom cruise gets up and leaves kind of pussies out i guess of whatever like love like coming at, going at her right then and there so they leave they're getting back in the car and let's stop there and then we'll start from there yeah let's get our drinks really quick and we'll start from I'd like to take this opportunity while Parker's not here because I would never let him see this, but I'd really like to take this opportunity to apologize to Parker for some of the comments I've made here today and other days about his penis, about him as a person, about his body, any of that kind of stuff. I am sorry. I love him. I think he's a beautiful boy, a beautiful man. And, uh... I apologize. I just want to clarify. The reason that I use a one or a three in my balls is is not for the aesthetics. It's really just for the practicality. It's like that's more time I can go in between doing it again. The same reason that I have like a beard and long hair. It's like I just – the hassle. Why don't you shave your beard and long hair to the lowest, lowest um, 
Why don't you be hairless, completely hairless? Do you know those guys who shave every day, like their face? Who are these guys? Honestly, it's easier in a lot of ways because I obviously like having my beard, so I would never shave all the way. But like sometimes I do think I should wake up in the morning, do my do my trim number that I have for my beard, and then like do my beard line around my neck or whatever. And then you do that every day, and then it's not as much of like a not as much of a thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, okay. So Tom and his buddy Miles Miles head that's out the and they get in their Porsche. She runs out. And she's like, hey, 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 wait, wait, wait. Because she's being pursued by the man she was with. Yeah. And she says, wait, she says, talk to me. Can we get in the car and talk? They get in the car. She's like, can you leave or whatever? Can we leave? Can we leave? Yes. And, and you know, Tom's like, I want my fucking egg back. And she's like, okay, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Just please, can we leave? And then, you know, bef- before anything can be, you know, worked out between them, Joe Pantoliano, the great Joey, Joe Pantoliano, um, who's great in this. And- does his nose look? Does his nose look more Dude, fucked up in this? It took me a minute to realize it was him because he has hair on his head. Well, yes, he's got hair on his head, but I also couldn't think like, did he get a nose his job? His nose at some looked point very time? different too. It wasn't the it same. It does nose. look different. It's like a. It's like much more of a hook fucking. But it's a hundred percent Joe. Oh yeah, absolutely. From the get go, it's like it's Joe Pantoliano, fully formed. Like when you think of Joe, do you think well, like cause he's playing the same guy in every movie? But what do you like? What's your sorta sorta? Oh but yeah, come yeah. on. All right, all right. Memento, all right. The Matrix, fucking Sopranos. It's the same dude. Which, like, what is your mental image of him if he pops in your head? Um, it is probably The Matrix. Yeah, I just on, think that's, on, on the ship, wearing the shitty clothes. Well, honestly, actually, on I mean, yes, the shitty clothes version, but also eating the steak in The Matrix. I don't want to be important, like an actor. I want to be important, like an actor, yeah, fucking one of the terrific lines um mm. which also has some kind of funny resonance for the resurrections movie like it's like got a funny i don't know but um movies are talk about it being tried at the hague well i know i don't like that one well be careful what you say a lot a lot of people love that one like smart cinephile people i'm not quite you know i don't agree with it but but i don't understand that uh yeah i think him and then honestly he taught me like the phrase ignorance is bliss which is like a a phrase and an idea that I've think about in my life all the fucking time. And like, it's comes from him. And that's your, what the from, fuck is ignorance is bliss, which is why you yeah. refuse to learn anything as exactly an adult right. man. Exactly right, dude. I learned a lot, dude. I learned so much more than you. I fucking learned a lot more. I fucking learned a lot more than you. Idiot. Stupid fucking idiot. Parker, Parker from fucking Ray-Bans. You should see him, guys. He looks so cocked. It's unbelievable. What an idiot. He, he can't freaking hear me now because I'm speaking so quietly. He's so stupid. I hate him so much. I don't even want to do this podcast with him anymore. <laughs> what if you fired me from the podcast? I'd <laughs> be also like, hey, could you still edit these? <laughs> and actually, it'd be even funnier if you still did. <laughs> I would. I Honestly, I would. It'd be easier for me to have to fucking sit here yeah. and try and be funny. I'm not a naturally funny guy. It doesn't come to me. You are a naturally funny guy, dude. Everyone who listens, everyone who's been listening, who has been coming back to me has said that they love our dynamic. So that's why I'm, that's why I'm, I, I, you know, I'd love to be nicer to you, but unfortunately (laughs) people are loving the, the meanness, you know? So (laughs) the audience gets what they want, man. Okay. So 
they get into a high speed chase with this fucking Joy Pants guy. And this to me was absurd because Tom is in like I don't want to like talk about cars because I think like, I'm thinking about my dad too much, but like Tom's in an eight eight cylinder Porsche. Oh yeah, nine twenty eight, and then the fucking Joy Pants is in a Lincoln, like a town yeah. car, and like and he's catch he's, he's keeping up. up the entire way, and they're yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. just like that's just fucking dumb. But it's fine. Tom's a kid. This is a grown man. But give me sure. A, I, I was losing my mind that scene. Um, but I did have the thought of like this is cool and fun and it's like awesome because it's like this is Tom's first car chase. Yes. I thought that was kind of exciting. Tom yeah. Tom's first car chase. I thought, oh, that's cool to see it, you know? Yeah. Um, with with all the knowledge we have now, you know? Do you remember that, that BMW that I had in Colorado? Yeah. So I test drove one of these Porsches before I bought that thing. It was like a shitty, like beat up version of that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't buy it, but I've always had like a thing for Porsches. My mom and I are going to go on a vacation in September. We're going to the California coast. We're going to fly into San Francisco and then drive down to Big Sur and back up. For your birthday? Um, kind of just to do it. Not on my birthday, but like just 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 to have a vacation. Yeah. Do you want me to come? Um, no, but I do. I do think you should come to my uh, Kentucky when Bob Dylan opens his whiskey distillery. Ooh, I do. I would love to do that. that when was, is that again? Do you know when the September. distillery opens? In September. God, these next few months are so stupid. Do you want to borrow me? some like, money, dude? I would love to, dude. We need to get you. You need to go home and watch. Call me by your name. Um. But my mom and I were debating. I went to take a car. We're like, what should we get? We wanted to get a convertible so we could enjoy the coast. And I was like pushing for a Porsche, but it's a lot of money. And then at the end of that scene, Tom Cruise looks to Rebecca de Bonet and he goes, Porsche, there is no substitute. Oh, yeah, yeah, And that's still for me. I was like, all right, I'm fucking renting a Porsche. So this morning, I rented a Porsche for four days, a 911, my favorite car. Um uh, Cause it's called, oh. yeah, cause it's called 911. Yeah, it's called 911. Yeah. Um, was it your favorite car before 911 and after? Uh, coincidentally, it was not. No, it was not. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Just after, literally the day of, you went, nope, new favorite car just dropped. There is no substitute. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Um, okay. And then, so then, when, then what the fuck happens? Um, well, so then they go to his house, right? She's and and uh, she stays the night there. And I think we cut to like we don't see them, but they wake up in the morning. You know, he's like, "I gotta go to school. It was nice. Thanks for breakfast, but you need to leave." And he, and he's like, "So she he's begging her to leave." Yeah. So she says, "Like, please look. I'll get you back the egg. I need time. Just let me stay here. I need time." And then we get this like fun little cross cutting that kind of builds some tension where he's going to school. He's like, all he can think about is like, fuck, I got to get home to make sure. Cause you know, he doesn't trust her really at this point. He's like, she's going to steal more from me. Oh, and she's looking around the whole house looking for things to steal. Well, no, that's not what's happening. No, that's not what's happening. It is what's happening. Motherfucker, in the movie, while you're watching it, you are thinking that she's yes, looking okay. around the house, yeah. looking at things to steal. Looking Anyway. Yeah. She gets the keys. She gets the keys. I think she, Maybe puts on one of his mom's outfits And then goes or to the like train that. station. Goes to the train station. We're going, oh, shit, what's going to happen? skipping down, which she I think comes, is crazy. She has a Porsche. She's going to get on a train. I know. It's goofy. Well, and just leave the Porsche She loves trains. More on that later. But that's true. Okay. So when Tom gets home from school the, that day after stressing out, his the lady prostitute's friend, what's her name? I don't know what her name is. But no, but first he gets home. Miles is there and Miles goes, oh, yeah, Johnny or whatever the fuck, the cool guy who fucks girls all the time, he's inside. 
Mm. And he's he's meeting he's meeting Lana. And Tom's like, oh shit, you know, and and he comes out. Okay, you're chewing a bunch of ice and and you gotta cut that out. Um, Do you have any idea how this works, dude? I'll be able to cut that out, dude. I can literally your audio is individual and it's singular, and I'll be able to not take my audio when you're talking. You do have an idea how it works. Good job. I know how lots of things work. I don't I, think so. Wow, dude. People are really not going to buy this act from you, and I just wish you would give it up. Um, all right. I'm getting us on track. Tom Cruise asks the friend, did you have sex with... Lana. Lana. And he's like, man, I didn't have sex with her. And then he goes, don't ask your friend or whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, and they're laughing as they walk out. Tom walks in. Tom, Tom, Tom's just playing a lot of insecurity for a man who wants to date a prostitute. He's a kid, man. He kid. He's in love. He's got a crush on this beautiful girl. Anyway, but that's this is a great moment. I really like this moment because he walks in and she's there, and he, you know, he's like, "Oh shit, this other girl's there." And we see now that she went to the train. You know, it's like the reveal. Basically, she went to the train station to pick up her friend. Great moment because she gives him. $50 and she's like, he, and he's like, I don't want your $50. And she goes, but you're the house. $50 goes to the house. And that was just, a, that's just a great little moment. That's funny where it's like, okay, we see where this is going. And you're like, I don't know. I just, I cackled. I cackled with glee at that moment when, when, when that happened, I was like, hell yeah, this is the dream. He kicks them out. He kicks them out. He does kick them out. And then, and then they're literally leaving. He starts working out and then he looks out the window and and Joe Pantoliano, Joe Pantoliano is fighting with them, and and then they run they run back into the house. He comes out though because you know he's a good good boy and he wants to protect these girls. And you know he Joe Pantoliano kind of just completely ignores him at first, but then Tom is like, "Excuse me, like, can I help you with something?" You know, and uh, I think that's where the idea starts, right? Where she's like, "You put you put my friends together with you." with your friends and we could really make a lot of money here, right? Yeah, because they, they go out, they say, he says no, they go out that night on a little double date, him and uh, the gal, him and... Miles and the, and the gal that she brought and they're out there and they're hanging out and then they're smoking weed and, oh yeah, because he, he tries to study and then she's like, hey, we want to go out and, and hang out a little bit and maybe get high. You ever get high? And he's like, yeah, I get high. And she's like, we want to get some ice cream. And he's like, all right, I could go for some ice cream. Which, by the way, I had a little bit of ice cream in the fridge, and when they were eating ice cream, I was like, "I'm fucking eating some ice cream." And it was what did you have? Awesome. Well, I had these little, um, little Trader Joe's has these little packs of like little cones that you can buy, like a mini drumstick kind of thing. Mini drumstick, basically, sort of. Yeah, sounds pretty good. With like a with like a waffle cone, and it was delicious. And I had a couple of them left, basically, so I ate two, and I just finished them off. And it was, and I was crushing beers and eating ice cream, and I was like. This is the life, brother. Were you in your underwear? No, I wasn't in my underwear. But basically, um, Tom and Rebecca DeMornay have a conversation that's kind of like him asking about her past. And she doesn't like the cut of his jib, more or less. Right, but there's some good bits in there. Okay, uh, we're getting away from what I like about the movie. Is like, again, it's the sensitivity to her story. Like, I do think, I do think the movie has stuck around this long i mean one because it's just a great movie i mean it's like whatever it's just a great movie tom is great it's the announcement of him as like a movie star it's fun it's exciting it's sexy blah blah blah, blah. but i do think in a lot of ways it's stuck around i guess this goes into all the stuff that i just said also but because you know i think it is pretty it's pretty sensitive to her while she doesn't get 
like total. I mean, I don't think she's quite Manic Pixie Dream Girl because Manic Pixie Dream Girl is really she has like zero agency. She has like zero interiority here. I think she's kind of the one with the most agency. She's the one essentially driving the narrative. I mean, he's he's along for the ride, but he, and he learns lessons. And at a certain point, he takes charge a slightly but my point is in this moment she gets i think like even though it's hinted at it's 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 not like outright because she doesn't want to talk too much about her life they give her a little interiority and they give her enough where it's mysterious like truthfully mysterious i would say where she's she doesn't want to necessarily tell him her whole life her whole sad life story but she gives just enough detail and then she starts talking about her brother she has a brother and he's going to great school somewhere and then tom cruise says like did you ever want to go to school and he's kind of pushing back on her and she just immediately senses like oh he's being really judgmental like what kind of life are you living shouldn't you be in school like that's kind of the subtext of his question it's a great moment and then she kind of you know she kind of is like fuck you i don't need you to i don't need that i don't need that condescending bullshit from you and walks away and then as she walks away it's great really great funny moment that's super tom like so the tom really great tom comedy like, what are you doing and then as, as he as he stands off the hood, car rolls forward. He, he realizes she's locked the keys in the car. He can't stop it. He's pushing. He's trying to push against it in the front, like sliding down. He just gets up on the hood, rolls down onto the uh, onto the pier. dock, yeah, onto the pier, and and then stays there. And then of course, I mean, you know, you know it's coming, but it they do a really great job of like letting it, it sit rolls for to the a end long of the dock time. And stops. Right, right. And stop. So he's he thinks he's good. He thinks he's in the clear. Yeah, big breath, big breath. Yeah, he he gets off. It's and they they really. I mean, it's good. They give you a lot of time. Like it's really nice. But you know uh, it's like coming, how much? Yeah. No, you know it's coming, of course. But it's like they give you a nice time of like, okay, we're sitting with this. We're sitting with this. We're in the clear. We're in the clear. And then boom, crash. The pier comes crashing down, and the car comes with it, and Tom lands in the water too, and everyone chases after him and then it's like hard cut hard cut to the car getting you know cleaned out and, dr- and like the fish door opens it. fish on it's it it's crazy because obviously three years later uh ferris bueller's day off comes out and i honestly feel like some executive must have been like okay give me one of these movies but make it so kids can go see it give me a pg-13 whiskey business yeah, for sure. A little bit. It's definitely like they it's it's crazy because Ferris Bueller, I think, probably is m- more of the classic. I mean, obviously, Risky Business is a classic, but I think France, uh, Ferris Bueller, well, I guess probably just because of its R rating, like Risky Business is hard to show to your kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right. It's more of the classic, right? That just that's more widely known and loved and blah, blah, blah. But so I don't know. It's just funny. But it's funny to see it. It's funny to see Ferris Bueller had to have just kind of stolen this moment. 100%, yeah. But I mean, I think that movie, I love that movie. I love Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And I think that movie does it in a way that's not just like cut and paste. It's they- Well, it's like they had a ripoff done by John Hughes. So it's like, that's a pretty good foundation for a movie. Sure, 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 sure. Um, And so basically Joel has to get the car repaired, which inspires, he basically relents into doing this brothel idea. Yes. Okay. Finally, fuck. But this is when Tom becomes fully formed. Absolutely. But okay, I was gonna. I was thinking about this, and I was gonna kind of ask you about this because when this started to happen, I was like, "Fuck yeah!" I was so pumped. That was when I was like standing up. I was like, "Come on, baby," you know. And I think you could maybe have a little bit of an argument of like, 
it's not totally earned because he hasn't really like where is this confidence coming from in 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 these moments to be like such a pimp not in a you know literally and figuratively badass in his salesmanship but like it's just so good that I don't really care like he he just crushes it and it's awesome and I just fucking love it. It works. Yeah. It works so good. Basically, they decide to team up, and he has to go out and recruit boys across town. And it's a montage yeah. of him, and he's got the fucking Ray-Bans on and the sport coat. And that look, to he's me- He's smoking cigarettes. He's smoking- He's got the cigarette kind of like loosely hanging yeah. hanging down his- Just going around town, basically saying, like, talking to guys, like, you took her out on how many dates? How many movies? Oh, yeah. How many dinners? Yeah, and you got nothing out of it? And that reminded yeah, me yeah. of a dude I used to work with when I worked at the Hyundai factory in Montgomery, Alabama. This older man, he told me, basically everyone knew every weekend he would go out and he would get a prostitute and he would, you know, have sex with her. And he was telling me, he's like, you know, listen, young man. Why did everybody know that? Because he talked about it openly. He's fucking, he's a simulator. All he do is talk. And yeah, uh, he was like, you either pay for it up front or you pay for it at the end. Either way, you're paying for it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think that's, was, a thing that a lot of, was, that's a thing that a lot of dudes say, but. but extremely but, interesting. But also one time he told me, he's like. And you were how old? He, uh, I was 19. 19-year-old Parker, only assembly line. But he was telling me, he's like, you know, he, he told me like about eating ass and stuff. He's like, you remember he said, you better make sure it's clean. You don't want to eat no bad ass now. <laughs> and he's like, one time I started eating a girl's ass, and then she tried to turn me around and eat my ass. I'm like, I'm trying to freak you, trying to freak me. And that like brought the house down on the assembly line. People were like losing their minds laughing. So basically they turned, they threw a house party. Tom has gathered all the boys across town to empty their bonds and come have sex. And then meanwhile, they're also like, they're renting all these twin-sized beds, turning everyone in the house into a little fuck palace. Fuck palace, yeah. And then the party's going seemingly pretty great. And Tom- We left this out. We left this out. When his parents leave, his dad says, oh, I have this meeting set up for you with a guy from Princeton. I don't remember. Like an admissions guy from Princeton. This old man shows up at this fucking brothel party, and basically Tom sits down. I think he's wearing his sunglasses the whole time in the interview. No, he's not. He puts them on emphatically when he says, "You got to just say what the pops fuck." Pops a cigarette in his mouth. Because basically and during this interview, uh, like his girlfriend uh, Mornay is like bringing in, rolling in beds to the room, yeah. and like we got to use this fucking room. And the guy knows what's going on. He like this is a fucking right. brothel. But um, basically, the interview with the Princeton guy goes very poorly, and he says to Rebecca DeMornay, looks like I'm going to Indiana State, and he's got, this is the famous look of the movie, next to the Tom in his underwear. The. It's the big, cracking smile, like, shaking the head, and it's, it's the most Tom look of all time, really. Oh, yeah, it's, inc- it's crazy. It's like a shot, that shot is like, a, is like as an image, is like the most announcy image I Which apparently it was improvised. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. Well, because it seems because like, they leave it in because it seems like he's doing like one face and then he's like, I'm going to go even further and do it a little bit more. Like that's it makes it feel very. Yeah. Very improvised, I guess. Yeah. Um, Which that moment has one emotion. But then basically the very next scene is he's down in the basement looking at a model train kind of watching it go around. And then Rebecca de Monet comes down. And uh, there's a phone call for Tom, and it's his dad. Yeah. And Rebecca's like whispering in his ear the whole time, like, oh, you want to make love on a real yeah. train. Awesome. Which, yeah, yeah, as yeah, everyone yeah. knows, is the title track to the best uh, Tangerine Dream track in the whole movie, Love on a Real Train. 
Oh, that's right. We didn't even we didn't even talk about which, Tangerine Dream does the music, which is a good to me good score. Is originally from uh, to, in my in my mind, uh, Squid and the Whale, which oh, was my oh, right. that, that was my sexuality as a teenage boy was <laughs> uh, that movie. Um, that's right. They use that song in the Squid and the Whale. The, uh, that's whenever right. the Owen character is like coming and rapping it on girls' lockers and stuff. <laughs> That's, I completely forgot about that. You're totally fucking right. That's crazy. Yeah. What a funny thing for Bombach to do. Um, but like, uh, but perfect. Basically, right? they like, they leave, they skip his party. The party's over. All the girls are tired because they've been fucking all night. All the boys leave. Tom and Rebecca DeMornay. Counting the money. They're giving the, giving the girls all their, all their bits of cash, all their little envelopes of cash. And they go and they get on a train and they fucking wait out the fucking crowd to leave the train and they're oh, edging that's a terrific and they're scene. kissing and yeah. they're making love on our real train. And I immediately, I Googled closest train to Austin, Texas, and there are none. Oh, that's funny. It made me think of, um, it made me, uh, which we've already referenced today. It made me think of collateral. Yeah, me too. Because he dies on the train at the yeah. end of that. I was just thinking like, I don't know, there's just something funny that like this has this, it's not, it's not, it's not like similar obviously, but it's kind of like there's this like end and like they're on the train, there's nobody else on the train and they can fuck. It's like, I don't know, I just thought that was a funny parallel of like the fucking and the dying at the yeah. end of the movie or whatever kind of thing. I don't know. There's some really math funny. someone did online. So basically Joel says he made $5,000 in that night. But earlier, it's established he gets fifty bucks per transaction, so that means there's 160 transactions, and there were 11 girls in the house, which means each girl had an average of 14.5 transactions the whole night. Wow, that's brutal. Yeah, and the boys were just like, "Sure." Well, I mean, you know, they say they're tired. They say they're tired. Maybe you know, maybe they up the prices a little bit, and maybe, um, maybe. Uh, He's getting a little bit bigger of a cut. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. I mean, I, oh, yeah, I, I feel like if you're guy number 14, you're like, oh, well, I'm not going to say no. Yeah, I would. If I was guy number 14, I would say no. You wouldn't. You're 17 would, years dude. old. Especially at 17. In fact, I'd probably not say no more so now. What, at 17, uh, what period I, of your life would you have said yes? 21-year-old <laughs> Stephen would have said yes? 23? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, um, but basically... As it, as it turns out, Tom, when he comes back after the all-night train fuck scene, finds that his house has been ransacked. Completely wrong. Guido, yeah. his name is Guido. Oh, Guido, which we didn't say. Guido, Guido the pimp. Uh, Hilarious t name, right? We, yeah. Joey Pants has stolen everything in his house. Yeah, he calls her apartment, like he calls uh, Rebecca de Mornay's apartment, and uh, nobody's answering, and then I think Guido answers and is like, yeah, it's me, I stole all your shit. And then, you know, basically the, the punchline is that he pays Guido for all the shit with all the money that he made that night. Yeah. They toss, though, which is very funny. That I mean, that's even kind of like, I guess it's not really Ferris Bueller, but but it's sort of like with the jumping. like It like, felt kind of lame and outside of the movie. Oh, I thought it was funny. I liked it. Yeah, but like basically there's a slow motion catch of this egg. Rebuilds the house at the last minute. Parents come home. In five seconds with Bronson. Parents come home, everything's fine, but the mom spots a crack in the egg. Crack in the which egg. Which is a metaphor, I guess. 
And then, okay, this is actually an interesting tidbit, which I, I do want to touch upon. Apparently, they had to reshoot the ending and there was a big battle over the ending, right? And Tom Cruise in that uh, interview magazine with Cameron Crowe back in the day from like 86 or something is what it was. Tom Cruise is saying, yeah, they, th- that they had to make the change the ending and make it more upbeat um, because I guess the producers and the studios and shit, you know, just thought that it was a bummer. And I'm just going to read. I'm going to just go ahead and read what Tom Cruise says and then what the studio said and like what the original ending was, because whatever, I don't know. I don't have it all in my head. So at one point in time, Paul, the director, said he wouldn't direct the new ending. They were going to hire another director to do it. I, I guess Paul fought for keeping the ending. Um, and he didn't want to have Joel sell out, yada, yada, yada. Let's see. Joel knows in his heart that this woman is more important than money. That's what I wanted to get across. A lot of people, when I discuss the ending of the film with them, say Joel didn't sell out. Some say he did. It's a subtle film and you walk away with what you want to walk away with. It has many different levels. Tom Cruise also says it's about today's capitalistic society. Do the means justify the ends? Do you want to help people or you want to just make money? Joel is questioning all that. So am I. Today, the thinking of young people is so linear and non-creative. It's all about money. Unfortunately, we need something like Vietnam to force people to deal with political issues. I'm not saying I'm some erudite political figure, but it bothers me. At least I'm asking the question. The movie is Joel's exploration of society, how he gets sucked into this wild capitalistic ride. Okay, so that's interesting. And then Crow in the interview asks, what was the original ending? And I don't really understand what Tom is saying in this, but he says it's this great, great emotional scene in the restaurant. Instead of the scene outside where Rebecca says, do you want to come over? She sits on my lap in the restaurant and it just ends on the sunset background coming up and me stroking her hair with her head on my shoulder, cuts back and forth. And then I say, isn't life grand? It was really nice. They say it felt too sardonic. So we made it more specific and upbeat. Honestly, that ending sounds worse to me. Yeah, it makes no sense. I mean, it doesn't say anything about the college ending, right? Which I think that to me feels like the ending that was reshot. Because honestly, if you remember, if you watch call, his hair looks different, which I guess you could just say like there's a passage of time there. But I remember thinking his hair looks a little different. And I thought the college ending, I thought the college ending was was the kind of goofy aspect that he still gets in. But whatever, I I, I enjoy it. I, I get a kick out of it. But actually, the original, the ending that's in the movie I love I love that because it's like they're still they're still like talking about money. They're still like not quite like just like in love with each other. There's still like this financial aspect to it. And, and it's not completely romantic, like kind of ludicrous that this, you know, sex worker prostitute would just get with this kid. Like, you know, what you know, and so this sounds the ending that he's describing sounds way more upbeat and way more kind of unrealistic. And I, I thought the the ending in the movie was really um it could be, could have been. I mean, I like the, I like the current ending. I think it really works. I think it's kind of upbeat still, but also still toes the line of like not fully trusting her, but trusting her. And also like that their relationship still has this element of transaction to it. Even if it's like joking, I don't know. There's just like a self-awareness to it. That's, I thought really, really, really worked. But I want to give a um, quick shout out to Ben from Twin Liquors. He helped me find the Shiva's Regal. I told him I would give him a shout out. We'll see if he will leave it in the episode. But uh, it was funny. I walked, oh, I walked, wait, why? What? What? You couldn't find it on your own? 
Oh, I, was, I walked in. I was like, can you help me find the shivless rigless? Like I said, it's a joke. And he knew what I was talking about. And he pointed me to the exact aisle and height on a, on the aisle of where it would be. Oh, wow. Uh, and he, he, we were like, he's like, are you guys doing that? We had a, we had a picture of the, of the scene in the movie where he makes the drink. He's like, are y'all doing a photo shoot? And we're like, no, it's a podcast about Tom Cruise. He goes, he's like, whoa, your podcast? And I was like, yeah. He didn't ask where I can hear it. He didn't ask what it was called. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, you know. I have gone all over town telling people about the podcast and most people, uh, tell me to listen to their podcast. <laughs> Oh, well, all righty then. That was our episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hopefully, Tom, you enjoyed this episode about Risky Business. Next week, we will be talking about all the right moves. Um, we hope to hear you there. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks, as always, to my co-host, Parker Smith, who I do really like in real life i do think he's a good cool guy and i think he's funny and he's my friend um and thanks of course to our producer sam robinson thanks to trevor dowdy for our theme music um thanks to tom for listening tom this is the we made it for you podcast we made it for tom on all socials uh yeah check us out next next week on all the platforms on all the on spotify on apple music on everything you know you can fucking listen to us all over the place and yeah we made it for tom on all social media so check that out and find us and uh, i'll have a great time bye-bye